Ooh. I, I like that. I love bundle boxes. Oh. My fa- ironically, my favourite bundle box artworks are the ones where it's just the Planeswalker symbol in a stylized fashion. Mm. So I love like the Kaldheim one. The, yeah, see, this one's actually kind of boring. Zendikar of Resurgion. It is boring. But yeah, but that that's a really good artwork. But I think the Midnight Hunt one was good because it was like a really sort of graphic stylized werewolf thing. And then oh, it was yeah because it was the, their their alternate artwork was the same thing of where it was really heavy outline. Yeah, it was a similar sort it? of idea. And then Crimson Vow was fine, but it was like it was a bit too cartoony. Again, it was like oh. a flat stylized Olivia, and you're just like yeah, yeah, okay. You could have you could have done you could have gone further. Mm. It's actually the ones which have just like they keep it simple where, yeah they're the best ones whereas the ones where they have like a bunch of planeswalkers doing like hey I'm doing a stance I'm like yeah I don't really no, they're not very timeless as boxes you know no Welcome to Magic the Flavouring, the Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk about all things magic, flavour design and lore I'm your host Andy Mann hello is Nathan Cancel. Went straight in there, I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> I'm on the beers, you're on the tea. Yeah, well, I've been drinking all day. You have. You've been out playing Magic, and I've been out at work. Mm, so it's it's worth flipping the script. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got to Now I'm all up. business, and you can have fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. <laughs> well, thank you for stopping playing some games to, to do the pod. As if you're a guest. On know, exactly. <laughs> thank you for taking the time. <laughs> I would have missed it for the world. Um, no, it's good. You're, you're going to have played. I've actually... Open a little bit, which we're going to, oh, very the we're going to be doing a little bit later, opening some packs, but yeah, I got to test out a new deck, Rowan, Sign of War is as topsy-turvy as you From the latest set, Wilds of Old Dream. Yeah, yeah, there we go, boom. <laughs> Mate bought me a bundle, speaking of which, we'll be opening a bundle today. We it's will still be. very synergistic, isn't this? Um, <laughs> flavor picks, Lost Caverns, Lost Caverns of Ixalan. We're doing flavor picks time, yeah, flavor picks are. time. So, uh, as with all our flavor picks, we'll be looking at uh, either individual cards, uh, artists, run of cards, uh, you name it, we're going to talk about it, maybe some themes across the set. I think, Nathan, you want to talk a little bit more about mechanics, we're going to talk about some mechanics. And yes, today I picked up my customary bundle of Magic the Gathering cards for each set I buy, uh, and for anyone who is a real nut for Magic the Flavoring... <laughs> All three of you out there, I love you. Um, you'll know that we did uh, like maybe six or seven, packed with flavor. Great name for a, a thing. Uh, that's like, that's it's good. good I liked it. Um, packed with flavor YouTube videos where we opened up a pack. We did a crack pack, but then we talked through literally every card, commons and all, about something, whether it was to the artist or the you know flavor of the card, or whatever else it was. So I thought we would combine the two for this one, and whilst talking through our flavor picks, of the set basically do live packed with flavor cracker packs and find the flavor picks in real life Magic the Gathering cards, and obviously we'll, we'll tell you what the bloody rares are as well. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's interested, uh, I might have said it on the preamble. Um, Hunting Velociraptor is the bundle card, and there because there are Jurassic Park cards in this. There yeah, are. Right. Yeah. Dinosaurs and dinosaurs. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm wearing a Jurassic Park t-shirt right now. You are. I say, yeah. as soon as you walked through the door, I was like, was that deliberate? Was that yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> I, I really love the first film, as, as I'm sure a lot of people roughly my age, and I mean, you know, it's a, it's a timeless classic, but I think it, you know, was it 92? Hmm. No, when did it come out? Uh, Around that time, 93, uh, 94, time, 95, yeah, 96. So, <laughs> I mean, everyone can relate to hating kids, right? Which is the point of that <gasps> film. I, do you know what? I really don't like kids <laughs> in films, but... 
the kids in that film mm. are actually really fucking good. Yeah, it's a different <laughs> age where kid actors are actually pretty decent. They actually, before, because they were vulnerable. Yeah, they, they had deep got... trauma in their adult lives. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they, you know they were, the kids were like actually fighting dinosaurs and yeah. they weren't total jerks. Like, they actually, they were kind of like on board with the plan. They, had, they, were, they weren't just... Oh, we need a teenager in this. What a teenager's moody, moody. angry. Yeah. yeah, like the latest Barbie film. I couldn't hate. I couldn't help but hate her the whole time. I was like, stop being such a moody emo teenager. That's such a done trope. I've heard very mixed things about the Barbie film. Um, it's definitely worth watching. I do think it's definitely. You, I think your opinion will depend massively on your culture because I think it aims its message at a very specific part of the world and the way that they treat men and women and other countries they don't do that so it, the message doesn't pass as, as well for certain countries in my opinion we'll, we'll park that discussion for yeah, later and <laughs> we'll get into like, the ins and outs of the Barbie film so flavour picks Lost Cans of it, Caverns of Ixalan second time round on Ixalan mm. well that's the thing right as in half of this set feels like second time round of Ixalan and then the other half of it was definitely another set that they just put in the middle of Ixalan yeah we spoke about this last time where mm. this was a different set originally and then they they thought we could set it on Ixalan but there are some straight up reprints from the last set yeah. like just straight up reprints you've got Gishath Growing Rights of Itlamark Treasure Map exactly mm. and for my money just off the bat they're not even flavour picks necessarily I think this set ties really well into the last mm. one well, they did this with Thalia, right? They did. They just threw back two mana Thalia yes, they into did, the. Yeah. Um, was it Midnight Hunt or was it Crimson Vale? Crimson, Crimson Vale. Yeah, but they gave her an artwork that I mean, I loved that Magali mm. Villeneuve artwork where she it was. It was a different Thalia. Yeah, <laughs> there well, was mostly the was, same card, but it was like she's at a different point. She was like, oh my god, please, babe, go, go, go get go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> she, <laughs> she hasn't slept in years. <laughs> but yeah, I think so. There's, there's, there's. I think. I don't know if it's really... I don't know if it's as obvious to other people as it was to me, but there are certain aspects of this set that I feel like, having read the story and being massively into the story, because obviously we are, we really enjoy the story, as everyone on fans of the podcast know, there are aspects of this set that you just look at and you go, but that wasn't in the story. And the story's never going to always... Especially when you don't get side stories, or if you, know, you only get one, you don't get the five side stories, you're not going to get a full spread across the set from a narrative point of view. But there are definitely certain cards that I look at in the set and go... The, this isn't this. There aren't caverns in it. This isn't about caverns at all. And there are other things that happen within. I'm not gonna lie. It's all about boats for me. The, the boats annoy me. In being, I don't know why. There are there are more boats than you'd think for a set set underground. Yeah, and like there are certain boats, like the belligerent, which is very clearly <laughs> not in the caverns because it never went into the caverns. It's like so. Why are we in a set about? Why are we the now getting caverns? the belligerent? Yeah. yeah. Why? We, and when you literally had a pirate deck that you could have put it into. Yeah. The yeah for the commander set. Yeah. You know. Um, so, it's was, things like that that I feel like are a little bit dissonant. Cosmium is a much bigger part of the set than it was of the story. Like, it was hinted to in the story. By the time the Cosmian comes in, you're already at... You're in the middle, everything's big, chaotic, drama, battle time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point, it's like... Uh, I mean, there was a bit, obviously, with Huatli getting her um, Cosmian sword, right? And then it kind of... That being her her right of, like, being welcomed back into the the, the ancestral family. Mm. Which I think is quite cute, and I think it's quite nice. I think it's also interesting that Cosmian was harvested from both within and without because mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be within the crust or the mantle or whatever you want to call it of, of Ixalan and then from outside down you can dig in and get it and then from, from inside out you can dig you up to fly and up get and get it yeah, yeah so <laughs> I guess it, it makes sense from a um, from a, you need a kind of not a MacGuffin per se but I mean if you are in a cavern like environment it makes sense to have something that's like your 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 power source MacGuffin you know and I don't I don't think it's too 
jarring. I do find its coloration is a bit is a bit much. Like it's just the bright, purple, just bright purple. They love a bit of purple for the mm. MacGuffins. Think about like Lazatep being that kind of indigoy blue yeah, purple. True. And, like anything to do with Liliana is purple. And... But they did say obviously, like when they when they were giving it up to the cultists, the vampire cultists, because there was apparently in the center of I don't know how much um, like square feet the inside like topography would be. Right. So if you think about like how many of the Aklakots fucking priests that they all knew about, I'm like, I know you probably don't want like civil war within your tiny little Dyson sphere world, but surely it's very easy when these people want to like bring back the the Dark Age again. <laughs> Just go and kill them all. Just go like, and have a fight. I, I get it. I get that you don't want that to be the thing you don't want to instigate it, but it's just going to end up with them getting Aklakots out and then you fighting them anyway as vampire demons. So maybe just nip it in the bud, you know? Yeah, I, I will say that the flavour text in this set also does a lot of work for the story, which they don't always do. Like, mm. what we found in Wilds of Aldrain is that it seemed like there were different stories going on which could have very easily been side stories, but they were just, like, whole narratives, like whole fairy tales. Mm. And this one, because it is one story with some sort of side conspiracy theory stuff going on. Um, like the the Temple of the Dead, which is the flip side of Aklazots. The flavour text is, Chimil gave the Altec peace in death. Aklazots ripped it away. Mm. Which is a real bit of backstory, because we were speculating, like, well, you know, what is is Chimil actually something evil that got locked away? Was it a good thing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, we were, they didn't really make that totally clear in the story. Mm. Whereas this is like, no, 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 no. Bat God stole the sun because he didn't want them to have an afterlife, which makes his sort of like, what's he about? What's he after? Mm. You know, really cool. Yeah, so it gets worse. So it's Chimmel's basically the reason why the echoes permeate mm-hmm. as they do, which, mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense because we don't see them on the outside and the outside doesn't have Chimmel from the inside. Yeah. I guess there's a question then of is the, or are the aspects of the threefold sun separate to Chimmel? Because I know there's, I saw like this um, diagram of like all the different gods and godlike figures and avatars of Ixalan, mm-hmm. how they're, diff- they're denoted, some of them to the threefold sun and some of them ch- to Chimmel. And so I'll be interested when we go back to see if there's a relation between Chimmel and the threefold sun. Because we don't, we, there wasn't any cards about the threefold sun. I don't no, think that, they were all the dinosaur avatars. Exactly. So it was almost, it was a little bit more. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't direct. It was a little bit more indirect, like the, the nuance or, or the suggestion of yeah. of, it, of it being like a representation of, of of the dawn and then of midday and then of dusk, and that all makes sense. And it made sense from a vampire point of view because there were the legion of dusk to be like the opposite to the sun, which I think you know from a narrative point of view and balancing the set, it actually kind of like it, it feels quite nice. So it's interesting to have again like this other random sun in the middle that very clearly isn't made up from like you know, hydrogen and what... I mean, I'm not assuming most suns in Magic the Gathering are actually made up from scientific elements. What's like, the silver moon made out of? You know of? what I mean? Well, I mean silver. Well, no. What, what, <laughs> what's moon silver? You can't just say that. I was made of moon silver. Herons, mate. It's just it's just really compressed. You know when people say, could you could you win against a million, a, a billion lions? The moon silver sun is... Uh, a moon is just a, a billion herons just squashed together. Who says... Who's asking... You can't win against two, one lion. Yeah, but th- th- that's what I mean. Like, the thing is always like... A billion lions versus the sun. It's like it's the sun. Oh, when you talk, oh, when you're like, what? Right. Yeah, so people like, like talk a hundred lions versus a million chickens. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, like right, right. And right, it's right. always I don't know why, but the thing is always like a billion, a billion lions. But anyway, 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 we should probably, <laughs> probably bring this background talking about flavor of the set. Um, mechanics. Uh, no, we haven't done this that much recently because a lot of the times we've gone to sets, they're either retreading old mechanics or the mechanics weren't necessarily like super worth looking into. But I think this is an interesting one because. Most of them, if not all of them, are just kind of tweaks on previous existing mechanics, which might be, are we now in the current stage of magic of where you can't make new mechanics that aren't super convoluted and don't feel overly complicated just to be something different? And I was like, well, we've had all of these mechanics for 30 years. I mean, we're going to do this mechanics episode eventually, by the way, guys. 
So we've got all of these 30 years worth of mechanics. Is it worth maybe tweaking them to fit the set more? Call it a different name, because it is kind of a different mechanic anyway. But do we perfect it, refine it, flex it a different way? And I know this isn't new news, they've been doing this for well, years. Well, everything is kicker. It, this is what I mean. Everything everything is either a kicker or an ETB. Like, it, 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 this is like a joke done to death. But this set, it feels much more like that. Because it only lists four mechanics, one of which is a direct re, um, re, um, reprint or you know reuse, which is Explore. Which makes sense. And then Excellent you've got, mechanic, by the way. I think Explore's fantastic. It's top deck manipulation, it's potential graveyard manipulation, it gets lands into your hand, it makes all of the feel-bads of a limited environment kind of like go away a little bit. It's like Scry. You know, Scry's really good for the game. If you put Scry or Cycling on a bunch of cards, your limited format will usually run more smoothly because you just get through your cards more. You have more agency of whether or not you need them or not. It's a similar kind of thing of why I think, you know, Hearthstone's so popular because you kind of get the automatic mana thing. And then there's another card game of where you can play the cards face down as mana instead, and that's their way of doing, like, a resource system. What's that one? I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's kind of their way of getting around magic's kind of, like... You got to put all the lands in your deck, and if you balance it out, and you could get mana flooded or mana screwed. I'm trying to think of all the different names for all the different Japanese card games because there's a thousand of them. Mm. What's the one I'm thinking of? Like, Not back again. That's a thing. F- future Force, First Fight Force, Force Fight Future Robot Slam. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm, I'm having I'm having flashbacks to my trip to Tokyo. <laughs> And being in Akihabara and all the different, like, lit I'm not even joking, like, ten-story skyscrapers full full of just card vendors. And, like, oh, this is the back-again floor. And you just go in there and it's just, like, a thousand people being, like, trading and back How again. How do you stand up? So I've had this recently. I'm just going to keep segueing this uh, this this episode. But I was, I was walking around, oh, I don't know, somewhere in, like, north-ish London. And it was a full street of, like, wedding shops. And I'm mm. like... Why does does it does it not make sense to spread your spread them out so that you're not in direct competition with each other? Because if you go there, it's like, well, what makes this one stand out more from this one? Which makes it like, surely they can't all be doing good business, you know? It's like as I've now got to a manager level of of, of my career, and I look at them all, I'm like, how are you all justifying your rent? Like, how are you standing out compared to this one or this one? Yeah, anyway, anyway, there are, there are many people, and they all have. Money. And I guess yeah, they can all spread out, and everyone gets a little bit of the pie, right? Cool. Um, so. For mechanics, uh, explore. We've talked about um, briefly. We don't need to talk about it too much more. There are some some cool cards that do explore mechanics. I, I want to talk about it in reference to another mechanic in a moment because I feel like it kind of overlaps a little bit, and I'm not sure if I like it. Um, and that's discover, which is a um, like a reskin of cascade. So instead of it being that you cascade to a, a mana cost less than the card you're casting, it's a specified amount. So you might, for example, I think there's one card in the set. Quickly go and find it. It's an artifact with thing. And it does a tap ability, but then I think also for 10 mana or 8 mana you can discover 10. Here it is. Swashbuckler's Whip. Um, the equipped creature has reach um, to tap to tap a target artifact or creature. Obviously you're whipping it to hold it better bay, but for 8 mana and to tap it using a little bit more expertise, you can use it to discover, which is, I can't imagine when you like you know, when Indiana Jones slashes it around like a, um, a beam of some kind that mm. can traverse like a cavern or, or um, a chasm or something like that. And it's discovered 10, which means you exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card with mana value 10 or less, cast it without paying its mana cost, or put it into your hand and then put the rest in the bottom in a random order. Now this fixes a few of the cascade issues already in that you, you don't... I mean, they haven't done any discover less than four, which is not really important because a lot of the um, Cascade decks that are in Eternal formats run three mana 
cascade effects and they cascade into something that either costs zeros or this also that they all those uh, they don't have a mana cost uh, suspend cards you know that there's one that makes two rhinos mm-hmm. two four four rhinos and then there's other ones there's a balance one all that kind of nonsense this uh gets around that a little bit by in- making sure that there's no cards that are too low on the mana cost they've learned their lesson a little bit the fact that you it happens typically when the card etbs like there's a dinosaur that does it and when it's not when you cast it that you get the trigger the creature has to enter the battlefield so if you counter the spell it will counter the etb trigger because it will never happen mm. so it kind of gets around the freebie aspect of cascade of where you know you cast a cascade spell and it doesn't matter like maelstrom wanderer for example one of my most loved uh, commander decks like the guarantee value if you pay eight mana i'm at least going to get two spells you know? i don't know if they picked up that audible sigh that i did oh yeah i'm sure they did i'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna up the volume but I, I get i get it i mean it's, it's eight mana man if i get to eight mana you deserve what's coming um, but you know you're guaranteed to don't don't sh- I'm, in, I'm in the mid- I'm in the middle of talking Stop right it. on our Twitter page there, there is a link t- there is a link tree to our respective tapped outs with a lot of our EDH decks on there is your Maelstrom Wanderer deck on there I don't know if it's updated it might still be doesn't matter look at all the fucking mana doublers and shit oh have you got They're the mana, to eight mana for everyone yeah, but no one has like an eight-mana eight mana I win the game you know in their command the zone. Works, and it works on turn seven when I only ha- when I have seven mana. I use three of it for my mana flare, and then I use the four mana I have left over. So it's only one turn earlier, okay? I might as well just cast a Cultivate. Anyway, mm. point being, with Cascade, you get the guaranteed value as you cast it. With Discover, you usually have to wait for the creature or whatever to enter the battlefield or for you to activate it to get the Discover ability. Um, even one of the cards that I think we're talking about um, hit the mother load, it costs... Eight mana, and I think it discovers ten. I can tell you, bundle the promo card is hit the motherload with alternate arc by Bram Sells. Uh, sorcery for four three red four three red red red. What the fuck does that mean? Forty three red red red. <laughs> four colors three red. Discover ten. If the discovered card's mana value is less than ten, create a number of tapped treasure tokens equal to the difference. Mm. If the discard covers... So what? So you discover... So you discover 10. So you get flip cards off the top until you hit anything that costs 10 or less. Oh. And then obviously you cast... You're pretty much... You're not likely to hit a 10 mana card. This makes me really want to rebuild my Zephy deck. It really you've does. Got all the cards that go So many it. like huge mana value costing really spells cool and sorceries right? that just do... Like, can you do two splashy things in a game and not do anything else? Yes. Yeah, okay, that's absolutely. the five. Well, welcome to Maelstrom Wanderer. But yeah, so it's kind of a bit fixed. It also gives it some more agency because with Cascade, you're forced to cast the spell or put it on the bottom. With this, if you don't want to cast it, you just put it into your hand. So you can put counter spells into your into your Discover deck and it won't be anti-tech. I'm even thinking about putting one of the Discover cards, one of the Discover counter spells in because it... Uh, it's a, I can't remember which one it is, it's a blue one, but it actually works well with Maelstrom Wanderer, whereas a lot of ca- um, counter spells don't work with Maelstrom Wanderer. Um, anyway, point being, it's Cascade, but fixed is, I mean, I don't think any of the cards are egregious. It seems kind of cool, but in terms of terminology, to discover 10, and I think the, the prime example is uh, Quintorius Canned on his Planeswalker card, his minus three or whatever is um, dis- uh, discover four, and he's a five mana Planeswalker. So essentially what you're doing is you're casting a Planeswalker that has Cascade, because he comes in, you minus him, you get Discover 4, he costs 5, blah, 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 blah. And the idea is, I guess, that instead of exploring of where you're just kind of like, kind of like uh, purveying like the next little room or whatever, you're just looking a little bit further ahead and you don't know what you're going to get. And then depending on what you see is kind of what you do. You know, if you find a land and you, you, you go further and if you don't find a land, you gain experience. And that's what the plus one, plus one counter represents. That's quite succinct. With Discover, the idea is you're guaranteed to find something you just don't know what you're going to find yet. 
but in, in in my mind those two those two like ideas overlap massively and i feel like there's not enough of like a i don't know like a real world flavor difference for me between exploring and discovering for them to feel like they put the two words in and yeah okay the two abilities as i've just described them do work but i feel like again that overlap i don't know why it just feels a little bit invasive to both of them it doesn't i feel like explore doesn't let discover stand out enough and then discover kind of like takes a little bit of the um the spotlight from explore you know being able to kind of have a second go and trying to figure out what it wants to do i mean i, I mean explore's had three three sets by now so there's not many more directions they can go with it flavorfully i like it i think it's powerful i think it's cool i like cascade effects fight me um, the next one that we've done explore and discover is um, descend, which is yet another. If 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 half the mechanics in Magic: The Gathering are kicker, the other half are threshold in my mind. You know, or or, or other abilities such as now thresholds are um, a mechanic from years back. I can't remember exactly what set it started in, but I think we're talking like Odyssey years. And it's basically if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, um, the card will either get a bonus or it'll have an additional effect. Um, it's also kind of similar to Delirium in that um, uh, Descend cares about uh, permanence going into your graveyard. Um, Introduced in Odyssey. Yeah. Fucking you three. Did I know? You, that was it, yeah. Mate, I am, I'm, I'm next level. <laughs> Absolutely no scope to it. Um, and also kind of fucked up a little bit because the, the thing I'm describing isn't Descent, it's Fathomless Descent, which is another thing I'm not entirely sure I enjoy because Fathomless Descent feels like a middle ground between these flavour mechanics we've been having recently. Yes. And it feels like then your traditional magic set, which has distinctive, specific set mechanics. I mean, I just, for me, it falls into the Morph Megamorph thing, which I'm not a <laughs> yeah, big thing. And exactly. Manifest, like, they're all the same thing. Yeah. But they're like, oh, tweaked it slightly. Yeah, because Descend is if a permanent was put into your graveyard from anywhere, be it milling, discarding, sacrificing, then that counts to trigger it. Fathomless Descent counts the number of permanents in your graveyard. And they're similar enough, but they're different enough that they have different keywords, but they're kind of wrapped in together. Even on the wiki page, Fathomless Descent isn't listed as a secondary mechanic, it's listed within the Descend mechanic. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's cool. But again, you're descending. Descending is like so. You're going further down. Yeah. But does that mean you're going further down your library because your graveyard's getting well, larger? I see now. Yeah, for me, that would suggest that you're digging deeper. Mm. They've been doing a lot recently where they've like they've keyworded mill, for example. Mm. People know that it's called digging if you're going into your deck. That seemed more likely to me than putting things into your graveyard. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it kind of again, there's a little bit of a of a dissonance. Again, it's something they've already done. Delirium worked quite well, but it felt as having actually played that limited format a fair bit when it came out. It was quite the payoffs weren't big enough for how much you had to try and force getting four different types into your graveyard. You know, and they try very hard to try and make it work. Uh, similar to kind of how with Thrones of Thro um, Wilds of Eldraine, of where they put the rolls in to ensure you had more token and enchantment synergy within the within the set to make all of the different archetypes work together. And I like Fathomless Descent as a, as a mechanic. I like Descent as an idea, but again, this weird kind of separation, having two different keywords kind of irked me just a little bit. Yeah. And then the last uh, mechanic, also not being really its own new mechanic, was craft. Now craft is... I'm going to make sure I get this exactly right because the, the wording on it is a little bit specific. <laughs> so by paying a cost and exiling permanence from either play or your graveyard, you then flip the card and it will be usually a specific thing like craft with artifact or craft with dinosaur or craft with, you know, any number of uh, specifications. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side, it will essentially look like, okay, well, you've taken this weapon, you've done, you've added this to it, and then what, what does it kind of transform into? Let me find a good example. Okay, so 
Uh, a good example of this being Unstable Glyph Bridge, three white whites, um, where it's an artifact when Unstable Glyph Bridge enters the battlefield. If you cast it for each player, choose a creature with power two or less, that player controls, then destroy all creatures except creatures chosen this way. You can craft with an artifact for three white white, only do, able to do it as a sorcery. And if you do so, it basically, um, you um, exile it and whatever you have to craft it with, you return it to the battlefield and it comes in as Sandswell Wander Glyph which I guess is the bridge collapsing with some cosmium as it goes down and it kind of forms itself up into a golem. And I guess the idea for them is that like they want this kind of transformative nature anyway. They have transform cards in the set as well. Quite a lot of them. As well as the craft. And I think the idea is they wanted another way to add flip it, uh, like a, a, a two-sided aspect because these aren't transforming. You activate them specifically mm. to flip them. And they, they I mean, it's cool. It's considered... You return this card transformed under its owner's control rather than being up just 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 for transforming it. But you know, it's an activation rather than a triggered ability. I think they wanted there to be enough to justify having you know the the um, print sheets having enough to two face cards. Fair enough, cool, not a problem. It's just bad meld. Yeah, and I kind of liked meld in the fact you saw one side and the other side individually. You put them together. Yeah, it's clunky because on the opposite side, it's like a two-faced card. If you don't have see-through sleeves, then it can be a bit awkward. You've got to take them out and put them back in. Taking cards out and putting them back in again is just a transform issue. It's been an issue for <laughs> every set that's done it, which is basically... Oh, as a werewolf player, don't I know it? Uh-huh. It's basically every set recently has a different way of transforming. And I get it because real estate, card real estate, space, all of that nonsense. It's interesting as well that most craft cards, because they have such a long and lengthy reminder text after them tend to relegate flavor text off the front side and for some they still manage to find space on the back side but for others specifically unstable glyph bridge and sanswell wonder glyph there isn't flavor text on either side and it'd be quite cool when you're telling a story in the card if the story isn't super necessarily grockable because you're choosing what to craft the artifact with it'd be nice for them to have told me how the sanswell wonder glyph kind of formed yeah i had to make it up when i was saying it earlier about i guess it's with cosmium that it fuses with because in the artwork, it's got this purple glow within it, so I'm assuming that all the rubble fell, fused with the cosmium. I, from what I gather, all of the golems and gnomes, which I'll get onto, the fact that I have to say golems and gnomes mm. in, in the same set, um, I think they're all cosmium-powered constructs. Yeah. So I guess the idea is that this glyph bridge only would have been, but then you're choosing to... Again, there's a little bit of a dissonance with craft as well, as, as a planeswalker, how are you forcing this to happen? And in certain cards, I think it works and it's very grockable. With other ones, I think it's just mechanical. It's more of a Mel thing than it is a Vorthos thing. Mm. Fine. Not a problem. Those are all the mechanics from the set. As, as you can probably hear from as I'm, as I'm talking about them, I think a lot of them, again, it's a retread and a refumble of some of, of, of older mechanics, maybe slightly better purposed. I don't have an issue with the saying because, again, it makes sense from a, like a set point of view to go down. And I like this idea that it's not just milling, it's also discarding, it's also sacrificing. It allows multiple different colours to find different ways to do the same thing, which I think is quite cool. And I also really like graveyard mechanics anyway. I think it's a little bit easier than, say, threshold where you have to hit a certain amount. It's also interesting that one of them gets fucked over by... Um, uh, exile effects whereas the other one doesn't because if you descend and then the card is exiled you still descended you still it still will trigger the descend uh, um, keyword whereas fathomless descent requires the permanence to still be in your graveyard so if you get bajuka bogged or whatever that then kind of ruins your fathomless descent but descend itself won't be affected so you know there's a little bit of playability i think they're all fine and dandy i don't have any issues with them particularly again it's just when i start to really pick them apart it feels like there's a little bit of overlap and a little bit of, um, of, 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 I don't know, just it rubs me ever so slightly the wrong way. Yeah. 
But I mean, again, from a gameplay point of view, I think they work very well. I think maybe just from a, a Vorthosian point of view, they don't match up quite sure. as well. I mean, obviously, we haven't had a lot of chance to play a lot of these sets. No, I don't think either of us pre-released did we? No. Um, but from what I gather, not only are the mechanics kind of interesting, but also just looking at the cards themselves and the theme of the set when it comes to things like flying and reach. In the story, at least, there was lots of like you know, th- there are so many factions that fly in this set, and I was just mm. as, as you were talking, I was just thinking through. You've got vampires, vampire demons, bats, giant bat riders, kite sail people. You've got um, kite sail people, pirates with kite sails, mm. sirens. You've got birds. Mm. Um, there aren't any pterodact- p- sorry, pterodactyls in the uh, center, really, are there? No, the but there is. There's bone horde Dracosaur. Actually, thinking about it, were there any dinosaurs in the center? Like there must be because hardly some of yeah, them. Right? Yeah, yeah. You don't really, see, you don't see many as many, right? Oh, it does feel know. like dinosaurs are more outside than inside. My point is, there's loads of things that yeah, fly in the loads set. Of flaps. I think there's 33 cards in the set that has the word "flying" on it, either oh. as a sorcery that gives it, or like an enchantment or something, as well as the creatures. But they've also done a really good job of having things in the set which give reach. I was going to say, there's a lot of artifacts. There's eight cards, which is a lot. Mm. Eight cards that various things give reach or have reach. So I think playing it out is going to feel very much like you're having this kind of melee of like attacks from above or below in the Dyson Sphere however you want to look at it mm. versus people on the ground firing things into the air like you've got the like the needle dart um, gun yeah you've got the uh, dart's very cool like there's just so many there's just so much stuff and I just think looking through this set I think they've done a very good job of actually making it feel like you are playing out the setting which not every set can do all the time mm. like Wilds of Eldraine I think failed ever so slightly because it felt like it was just it was almost like Super Smash Brothers for, you know, fantasy fairy tale True. when actually playing it. Whereas this feels like you've got like a whole fuck, I'm having a bunch of bats attack me. How am I going to sort of, you know, navigate this idea? Sure, I guess, yeah, Wilds of Eldraine was, as you said before, like multiple different stories. And it's like, which story are you telling in your deck? Are mm-hmm. you telling the Hansel and Gretel story? Are you telling the Sleeping Beauty story? Are you telling the Ice Queen story? Whereas this is like, it's a skirmish. You fight, you, it feels like, yeah, as you say, the melee is a, more, is a little bit more justified and it feels more... Um, um, what's what I'm looking for? It feels more tangible, coherent as well. Yeah, coherent, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So, should we start looking to some actual spe- spe- specifics? Yeah, yeah. I've got some cards I wouldn't mind talking about. I've got about. some cards I wouldn't mind talking oh, about. But you go ahead because I trusted a lot before. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the gods. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> good one to start with. Uh, O'Hare Axanil, O'Hare Kazlam, O'Hare uh, Pak Patik. O'Hare Tuck, and then uh, the Black God, mm. Aklazot's Deepest mm. Betrayal. Or is the Black God the Ancient One? Question mark. Could be. <laughs> but let's talk about the cycle specifically. Yeah. Like, I, I, I <laughs> so, uh, each of these gods, so we've got God cards again. Yet another plane with actual tangible gods that actually have cards that actually do shit. Um, every plane that has good cards, they tend to do their own sort of thing. I think they're starting to really push further away now from the idea of gods having sort of like an intangible quality. Because if you look at the Therosian gods, they only became tangible with devotion, which is very flavorful. Amonkhet gods, they were there, but then they, like, if they died... Well, they could also, like, change their stuff. They felt very unspecified. Yeah. They were present, but they were also not very... Con- like, they weren't easy to talk... I mean, I guess you could actually sit in there and talk to them, but it felt very, like... I guess maybe because of the way that uh, Nicol Bolas bound them to their ley lines, they might have felt like they weren't actually the true form of themselves. Yeah. Potentially. But I think it's because they... 
so the actual function on the card was that they couldn't attack or do the things they needed to do unless there was a certain quota yeah. met. Unless so, you hit what they wanted from you, they weren't able to help you. Yeah, exactly, because they were testing you all. Like, they wanted certain conditions yeah. to actually, like, be present. The gods of Kaldheim were... Like their flavor were basically just normal mortal beings just that achieved immortality, but they were indestructible. Yeah. And then you could also, they had their like thing, right? So, like, you know, Burgie's horn or whatever mm. else. These gods, again, are very tangible. It's not like they'll, you know, they're indestructible. You can kill them. You don't have to meet a certain quota for them to activate or whatever. They have their trample, they have some sort of ev- evasion. So, for example, the red god and the green god, uh, Axnil and Kazlem, have trample. I think I'm pronouncing. Axnil wrong, maybe it's Ashenil. I'm not quite sure, sorry about that. Um, Pak Patik has flying and Tak has vigilance, and um, Aklazots also has flying because it's a giant back god. Um, they all have some sort of like you know ability on the sort of second paragraph, but then the third paragraph is the same for all of them. When X god dies, return it to the battlefield tapped and transformed under its own control. So if I look at Oja Attack, for example, the white god, Deepest Foundation, uh, it has vigilance. If one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, three times that many tokens are created instead. <laughs> Fucking bonkers. Can they stop with this three times thing? Because they always put it in Marrow's little teaser of like, if this thing would happen three times, three times is too many. Mm-hmm. City on fire, triple damage, fire emancipation, triple damage. It's, it's, and then this new, what, the new fucking vitality, Eldraine enchantment thing. Three times the amount of mana. Nick Spawn Angel. Stop with three times. Two times is enough. I, I'm, I'm getting annoyed because every time I open a white token doubler, or even a green one, I think, oh, fucking awesome, I've got the new doubling season. And they just keep making a better one. I'm yeah. like, oh, come Doesn't on, matter. man. Like, like, what's the, what was it, um, Moldrak or whatever it is. Yeah, Moldrak, but you also then had, yeah, like Moldrak, yeah, because actually I Mondrak. think essentially, I think that's the best one out there because it can become indestructible very and it is easily. Only four mana. And it also doubles any creatures, um, any tokens, not just creature tokens, whereas this is specifically creature Fair tokens. Um, that flips uh, when it dies and comes back into Temple of Civilization. Uh, they all basically become a mana, a land, mana, a, a mana. land, uh, which can tap for the color of. Interestingly, mm-hmm. not a legendary land. Not a legendary land. Mm. Because you have multiple temples to the well, same god. That's the thing, god. you can build multiple temples to the same god. It's a flavor win. Um, temple, temple of Cyclical Time, which is the blue one, um, has remove a time counter from uh, from Temple of Cyclical Time because the front face had something to do with time counters. That's mm. the only one that doesn't just tap for a mana. But then it has a three and a tap ability to transform it back into the god if some sort of task has been met. And again, I think this is what this is the flavorfully alluding to is that the gods are tangible in this world and indeed in like Mesoamerican ancient mythology and like Pantheon of Gods they are very tangible they're not sort of some abstract idea you then when they went away in the mists of time you build the temple to them but then if you perform a task or make some sort of like you know mortal achievement or sacrifice or something similar like sacrifice of your like you know your life's work to devotion or whatever they come back because you've awakened them again. And we saw this in the story where Aklazots was trying to be awakened. He was still there. Mm. I'm using the male pronoun. I think that's right. Like, they were physically there, but they were... I think they were chained, so it was yeah, like the devotion. But to awaken and break the bonds, you had to, like, fulfill some sort Go of thing. Sacred so for yeah. Temple of Civilization, it's transformed Temple of Civilization, activate only if you attacked with three or more creatures this turn, and only as a sorcery, right? Uh, Chimil gave the Ultic life. O'Hare uh, Tak taught them how to live together. Very, very white. I think all of the flavor texts for them do a similar trope of they say what Chimmel gave to the old tech and then what the god was able to give them in mm-hmm. terms of like, you know, again, on a more tangible basis. Um, 
I think it's very interesting, as you say, that all of them have that ability to be able to flip back into the god again. And having this ability to flip back and forth is something that I think is really important with transform cards. I think some of them, it's a bit annoying that you flip once you flip them, you never get the option to go back again. Like, it's one of the things I liked about werewolves. Like, both sides of... Ooh, what's the one where it makes your creatures cheaper on the flip side, but then you can search for creatures on the front side? Oh, I should know. It's really fucking good. Duskwatch Recruiter? That's it. Boom. And the idea is that in the first half, you're getting all the creatures into in your hand, and then when you flip it, all of the creatures you've got in your hand now cost less to put into play, and then once you've got them in play and he flips back... That's an insane uncommon as well. It, yeah, right. Oh, there, is, there are some decks. insane uncommons in this set, to be fair. I don't know if we're going to talk about them, but uncommon strength is going through the roof at the moment. But I like this again, as you say, this idea, this gameplay pattern of where gods can die. They're really strong. They do a really cool thing. They can die, but they won't die forever. Mm. And it's much harder to interact with the land. And then once, as you say, the land and the people, whatever, fulfill what the god would need to come back again. It's like a really cool fantasy trope. Like I think I've mentioned in the past Raymond E. Feist and, and his books. And one of the main arcs in that is that there's this really evil demon god and even the thought of his, like, the, no one knows their name, because even if you thought their name, that would be enough for them to come back enough to start destroying everything. And the idea, again, is that, that, that you know, you need the devotion, similar to how um, the Theros gods work, of where without the devotion, you're not you're not really anything, you know? Yeah. Um, but with the devotion, you then fully form into something that can attack and block. Yeah. Um, yeah, really cool. Really nice cycle. Saying, speaking of the whether or not it's uh, a, a true cycle, out of all the five of them, only one of them has an additional typing. Aklazot's being a bat god, which I think denotes the fact that it isn't a true god. I think that god title is kind of... Well, I think the fact that it doesn't have O'Hare as a prefix is also... Precisely. Yeah, yeah. And it's the fact that... I mean, yes, deepest, 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 deepest betrayal. And the fact that you go down to the Ancient One, um, a two-mana mythic um, multicolour card, bla uh, blue, and, uh, a blue and a black for an 8-8 eight, eight legendary spirit god. Which is very interesting because it's got a, a similar kind of head um, head shape. I mean, I say that because all of the all of the other four gods look quite different, but it has a similar kind of semi ethereal. They're all quality. they're all based on real world Mesoamerican like god heads. So mm. yeah. And then the idea is it descend. It doesn't have similar abilities. Um, it doesn't have the ability to come back as a land because obviously no one believes it anymore. And it's I think the idea is that it was usurped by Aklakots and it's just been Aklazots and it's so been so long now yeah. that no one there's not even a temple to the ancient one anymore you know it's been that long in history that they've been um, gone for but I mean it is rising from a temple in the artwork and there is a random dude stood there in front going yeah. hey ancient god so maybe yeah, yeah, who yeah. knows maybe if we come back there's maybe, always somebody who remembers maybe they'll return back to the pantheon once Aklazots has been destroyed in the next or set. is there to challenge Aklazots to exactly yeah, who yeah. knows who knows but it's I... quite cool that you've got this yeah. flavor sat there but you kind of have to fill in the gaps a little bit yourself. i like i do like these gods i still think the theros gods are goated only because just of how they work just yeah. as a card i also enjoy the fact that we managed to see the two the two pairing as well it's the fact we got the full pantheon Ooh. five monocolor and then ten dual color the theros ones and, yeah. they, and that each of them had their own just specific like this is what i'm in charge of like i think that was really clever really cool these are again it's a little bit again they say deepest might and you know deepest growth and that kind of thing and they represent aspects of of civilization again i think maybe also because the amount of people within the old tech that are within the middle is, is less maybe their devotion is less than the therosian ones because there's more people in theros who knows i mean i'm, I'm now just kind of like spitballing we're, we're conflating the real world inspirations for these things with the in world planar yeah. magic the gather realization the metaverses yeah. and i think we'll tie ourselves up in little knots if we do that <laughs> yeah so i mean again cool i cool like to the, see I think cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly 
sweet. You must, you must have more to talk about. Oh, I have loads. Of it. just, they're all, they're all kind of like, none of them are very like. Um, sp- okay, right. What defines a dragon, Andy? Oh god, are we talking about Bonehorn Dracosaur? Yeah, we are talking about Bonehorn Dracosaur. Fuck Bonehorn Dracosaur. How can you be a dragon and a dinosaur? Is it not at that point? It's just a lizard. Because both of them are lizards. Just nothing matters anymore. Just like why can't wait? So what we're gonna? I know that Naga are now snakes, but now snakes are just going. We're just gonna do reptile as a creature type. Oh, that's happened since we've recorded our last yep. podcast. We won! We did it, boys. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> us, and not the rest of like, like not the rest of like the culturally relevant society who was like, "This is a bit weird." We might not have been the largest voice, but we're definitely one of the loudest. Well, I say we, Andy Man specifically, but um, yeah, I, 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 as a Western white man, I'm not going to claim anything to do with like the intricacies of naming on that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I, I but know. I'm glad they did it. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I don't know. See, there are certain types of where you see them side by side and you're like, does it, like, as you were saying earlier, and I'm sure we're going to get onto it, if you put Gnome and Gollum on the same type line, is that, isn't that redundant? And in the same fashion, if you put Dinosaur and Dragon on the same type line, isn't that just redundant? Apart from being able to go in both different type decks, what are you really, like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, one of our uh, biggest sort of... Um... I was going to say the word fan, and that's so up on my own ass. I don't, I don't want to say that. Well, I don't know. I feel like we talk to people rather than having like fans in the podcast. Yeah, the, yeah, I'm sure. That's one, one, of the, one, of, one of the people who, who who engages with us the most on social right. media um, are Temi at Negative Silence on X or Twitter, if you'd prefer. Um, brought this up apropos of nothing. I was talking to people about the set, and they were like, fucking Bonehorn Dracosaur! <laughs> and they were tweeting about how it's ridiculous. And they make a valid point, and this is a point I, I think we both agree with. So on Dragon Skull Summit from the original... I've got that in brackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Point, from yeah, the yeah, original yeah. Ixalan set. Obviously, Dragon Skull Summit, I don't think that, that wasn't the first time it was printed in there. Um, but it was reprinted, and, the, and it's a big uh, dinosaur-shaped mountain which is fucking cool as shit elena danner artwork um when the planeswalker angrath called dinosaurs dragons quote unquote because he's a fucking planeswalker he's from another fucking plane where dragons are a thing and dinosaurs aren't i mean he might not even be that his own plane has dragons but he's definitely seen them before Hmm. uh the name stuck in certain pirate circles not that there were fucking dinosaur dragons already in the middle of the plane which makes even less sense why is it a dragon andy why did they do this why did they feel because they can't help themselves it's like rudolph Let's make a vampire angel. That's really cool. Let's not justify it at all. That's no longer cool. Yeah, you've yeah, ruined yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You fucked it. So great. I think I think it, I think <laughs> that was that tweet was in response to I was talking about the dragons of Innistrad, right? Because mm. Jeffrey Palmer uh, reposted a, a living animation that he did, which I reposted and was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, Innistrad had wicked dragons," and, every, and a lot of people just went. Oh yeah, in Australia, dragons. That's kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, I guess it kind of yeah. is, but like, this is egregious. Like... like, the thing I like about sets like that is that you have, or dragons like that, is that the-, the set doesn't really need the dragons, so you kind of have to give them a very specific um, kind of like art style or the way that they work. I mean, I'm not saying a balefire dragon does anything that other dragons don't do, which is I kill everything when I attack. Fine, cool, whatever. But I like the fact that, say, like, the Moon Silver Dragons had this translucent wing. We've talked about this before yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think like, a Mirror Wing um, Dragon is, like, a Zarda kind of type of way. Yeah, it, tar- is, yeah. it, it targets everything else. Cool. That's what I like. I like, make it make it feel individualistic. This is just a fly. It just It's just a big pterodactyl. Yeah. You know? And you call it a Dracosaur. And I'm like, no. no. Okay, no. I don't, <laughs> I don't like it. Not a fan. 
hate it. Because again, as you say, Angrath, it's almost like it's an in-world known thing that Angrath introduced the word into it. And maybe from a, like a an, like a, um, a biological point of view, the, it, technically from a DNA point of view is maybe also a, dra a dragon. But I mean, like magic has never followed proper DNA. It's only just listed Nagas as snakes. So no, don't like it. Disagree. In the set of flying dinosaurs, you could have just left it. Yeah. Otherwise, what? why isn't a pterodactyl also a dragon? Again, what defines a dragon? Yeah. Like, it doesn't even have fire breathing. It doesn't even have the ability to fire. It just makes no. treasures, because apparently that's what dragons like. Dragons that's like what, treasures. That's what dragons do now. Fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like how we've gone from, like, praise to just vitriolic anger. Oh, well, that was dumb. Uh, should we go for something that's quite cute? Gone. Lightning Strike. Original Ixalan. Storm on the horizon, Captain. Grick Dubin, last words. Yes. Hunt the Mit, Hunt the Week, Rivals of Ixalan. Death Lizard approaching, Captain. Brint Dubin, last words. <laughs> Hunter's Blowgun. Yeah, yeah. Ow, I think a wasp just stung me, Captain. Nurk Dubin, last words. Also gives reach. How many How many Dubins are there and how many left? <laughs> because these poor buggers. Mama and Papa du Dubin must be sat, sat in their little flotilla just being like, what the fuck? Yeah, they keep getting letters back. It's uh, like, dumb I mean, fucking sons. To be fair, one was struck by lightning, one was eaten by a dinosaur, and one was hit by a poisoned blow dart. I mean, it's not like they keep falling for the same thing. Maybe they're the bravest pirates of all. Right? And you've got to, you've got to assume that, I mean, yes, specifically from the lightning um, strike artwork, that they're they're of course goblins but it's just last words will never not be one of my favourite flavour texts on, on, on any on any flavour cards I don't know if Lurgoyf was the original with Safiaric's Dota last words but it might be I think it we, might we, be we should do a mini episode on all the last words because there's yeah. been quite a few and it's actually, it actually they love it's, that. it's quite interesting to go into because you can kind of divulge into a little bit but yeah I think that triplet is really really cool and again I like these through I like through line stories even if they're not specific like um, I like I like the idea of the progression and then see and again just seeing them all die in various different ways. I just think it's quite funny. The Dubins, the <laughs> poor Dubins. I love it. <laughs> um, so go, uh, yeah, got you go. I'm, I'm uh, a video Cartanega, uh, a video Cartanega is the artistic director on this set, uh, and whatever they brought to the set, they fucking loved the artwork. Of John Tedrick. So John Tedrick, who has had plenty of cards in Magic by this point, has got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different dinosaur cards in lot. this set. That's a lot for one artist in any given set Let for any given thing. Let me quickly type it in. How, how similar do they all look? That's the question. Right? Well, as I, so as I was going through on Scryfall going like, I want to talk about this card, I want to talk about this card, I got about three John Tedrick cards in before I went, Hang on, this is all the same fucking artist. <laughs> and then I typed it in the little scribe thing, and lo and behold, eight different uh, dinosaur cards. There's this flat ass art style that John has brought in that is just so oh, suited. See, yeah. And what it what it is, I mean, obviously, again, oh, they're not actually that similar either. To be no, fair. not really. So I think the most similar ones are rampaging spike tail and nurturing bristleback. So you've got nurturing bristleback, armored kin caller, seismic monstrosaur. Scythe Claw Raptor. You can tell they had fun naming these dinosaurs. Mm. Rampaging Spike Tail, uh, Sinuous Benthosaur, Marauding Brine Fang, and Soaring Sandwing. And yeah, again, there's this style. A lot of them, and I think it's a style that they've clearly looked at the style guide given to them by the art director mm. and thought, cool. There's a lot of Mesoamerican art going on here. There's a lot of very traditional art styles. There's lots of sort of flat painted art styles going on here and he's brought that to his dinosaur design but without it necessarily aping like that exactly do you know what i mean mm. 
it's really colourful. It's really fun. They've all got the same... Well, all but a couple have a very pronounced, like, runic aspect to them as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, like, this rampaging spike tail has, like, the uh, triangular line effect that you'll see on a lot of, like... Um, um, as American like art style again like you've got the squarish patterns as well that are very similar to what they were looking at when they were opening uh, the door to get in in the story when they were talking about the well, runic the marauding brine fang has some um, flavour text that says ancient glyphs are a lot harder to decipher when attached <laughs> to an apex predator could you imagine if it just says danger keep away yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, it's like what does that say oh god no I got too not close. suitable as a pet <laughs> Yeah, you should be running now. Or it's like that bumper sticker. It's like if you're if you can read this, you're too close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like it. Do you, know um, do you know what's funny so yeah. when you're saying this? And I I noticed this looking through um, the set, and it's kind of ruined. I don't know if it's ruined magic as a whole for me because that's a big statement to say. But card naming is it just descriptive word and noun? And then descriptive word and noun because this set's really um, guilty of this. If, as you were reading it, it's literally two words. Nurturing Bristleback, Armoured King Call. It's almost like descriptive word and then it's like a, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, my my my, not, my language knowledge isn't as good as it used to be. But like how it says King Caller or Bristleback, right. where it's like the back has bristles, you know, it's a call of the kin and you add that word together and make it into one word. Like the ger- like when you Germanize it, where you add all of the different words together and make it one. Well, all right, I'm going ran- to random Scryfall card. Uh-huh. Let's see. Random, random card on Scryfall. Merfolk token doesn't help us. <laughs> Groundskeeper, one word. Okay, what I mean, what I mean is modern, right. modern writing. Rising populace. There we go. The populace that is rising. Good <laughs> noun and descriptive word. Gavi nest warden. Does it apply to legendary, legendary creatures? Because they're named. All right. Lumbering light shield. There we go. It's a light shield that's lumbering. <laughs> one more. Temporary lockdown. Lockdown was temporary. Yeah, but that's language, isn't it? I know, but it's weird. No, but this is what I mean. This is why I think I've ruined magic for me because it's it not inspiring refrain. Like it doesn't. It never really clocked until I was going through, and I couldn't help but when I noticed it, and it was specifically dinosaurs because they go the kind of dinosaur it is and what it's doing, and I found it really, really specifically obvious with this with this set. And now it's kind of like flair of loyalties. Like it's adding little things like you or a card like you are already dead. I guess it's different when you have instants and sorceries that are actions. Compared to like creatures which are like a specific like thing, you know, that's alive and you've got to kind of give it a descriptive word and you've got to kind of name it anyway. So I get it. It's just something I noticed and I hope that whoever's listening to this is now going to take that and now every time they look through a Magic the Gathering pack they go, motherfuckers ruined Magic the Gathering for me. Because it kind of, I'll forget it every now and again, but then I'm going to keep reminding myself whenever I see too many of them in the same set. And this set I just think is a little guilty because there's only so many interesting things you could call different dinosaurs before it's just another dinosaur. True enough. And then here's another dinosaur. <laughs> right, do you want to do one more card before we crack some packs or what? Uh, yeah, shit, sure. I've got so many, I've got so many random little bits We might, we might find flavor. them in the in the packs. I've got loads of it. Oh, uh, one thing I guess is uh, interesting is, um, is it jarring for new players to have a random adventure card in the set? No, I think it's fine. You think it's fine? Because I think, I, we're talking about Kellen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's something that if a brand, brand new player was to open up, would just ascribe to him. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This card enough. has this mechanic. Okay, well, that was a question, not a flavor pick. My flavor pick is Squirming Emergence, which is hilarious. Let me just quickly get it up. Emergence. Oh, I spelled that wrong. Just going to put Squirming in. That'll bring it up. There we go. Uh, one, black, green, sorcery, fathomless descent. Return to the battlefield, target non land permanent card in your graveyard with mana less than or equal to the number of permanent cards in your graveyard. Actually, a really strong card for three mana. Basically, reanimate whatever you want if you're in a mill deck. 
Flavour text. Due to the archaic Brazen Coalition guidelines regarding hats, a few mycoids are now technically pirate captains. Mm. And it's just a little fungus that's attached to a skull that still has the captain hat on it. And the idea is a little fungus that's just creeping along is the captain of a ship. No? Yeah, I mean, I like it. Is that too twee? No, why well, they've got capybaras in this set? Like, do like, you know what I mean? They've really, they've lent into it. And I just like the idea of where it's like, you know, the pirate code is more, uh, more a set of guidelines than actual rules. It just kind of evokes that kind of idea a little bit. Did you just quote Pirates of the Caribbean? Like, well, how are you not supposed to in the set about pirates, you know? <laughs> you know? Did we moan on air about the fact that there's loads of boats in the cabins? Or did was that before the episode started? I think we've spoken about it. We did, good, cool. That's my last, my, my last, why are there boats in the caves, Andy? Why do they have to be boats in the caves? Angels. We've got two angels in this set. Did again without justification. Let me just quickly check to see. Is this a di- is this a dinosaur dragon situation? No, I think it's fine, but I want to check quickly because they weren't in the story. Is there flavor text on the two mana one? I think there is. So just let me quickly check. So one of them is a one is a reprint reprint of Resplendent Angel. Yeah, which fair enough. Artwork really fucking beautiful, by the way. Stunning. Victor the feather effect on it is really yeah, yeah, really yeah. cool. And the other one is Guardian of the Great yeah, what's, Door. What's the flavour text on that one? The core was sealed long ago by the deep gods who set the angels the eternal task of defending its golden gates. So my question to you is, knowing that angels are manifest- manifestation of white manor, mm-hmm. demons being manifestation of black manifestation of black manor, Traditionally. we don't ever really question demons on any planes? It's true. Why, would we ever, why should we question angels? No, fine. Yeah, cool. You know? That's the way I look at it. Yep, we don't have can, a direct analogue for the other ones, but that's the way I kind of look at it. Sick. There are many other cards that we can talk about. This is a very interesting set. Yeah. But there are fucking booster packs in the room with us mm. that I want to open. That's fine. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, yeah, do it. <laughs> Let's, and we can do some, some flavour unpacking and flavour picking as we go. Ooh. I really hope you open just one, rare, one mythic rare. Cause that, that was a bit of out. ASMR. I hate that joke. Whenever there's any sort of like noise that shouldn't be on a podcast, people are going, oh, that's ASMR. It's not. I mean, there's some people out there who really like the sound of rustling plastic, but I'm sure if you're trying to listen to my voice whilst this is happening, it's a bit jarring. All right. Cool. What have we got here? Is there anything that I want to talk about? We will we will announce our rares as we hit them or our legendaries as we go. So I've got Kutzil, Malamet Exemplar. Um, These are set boosters, by the way, which are are a little bit, yeah, a little bit more interesting than Dragon. I'm going to do a a, um, correction from last episode. I said Malakat, it is the Malamet. Oh, and we also called it Intil and he's just Inti. And also it's not Lishrak, it's Limdal. There's a lot of mistakes in last week's episode. (laughs) I know. Restless, Restless Reef is my rare. In this one. Oh yeah. Oh, that actually brings me on to my fantastic point. At what point? I'm, that brings me on to my fantastic point. A fantastic point. Why? So, Manlands. Yes. Just because your Arpelegio or whatever is in the shape of a llama, how can your? Why does your land turn into a llama? Because it. it, it why does he anchor? It looks a little bit like a. Gets out the water and is a llama now. It's got a little bit. I just feel like the Manland situation has got exceptionally tenuous of where it's no longer like part of the bog is coming alive. It's yes. like no, that this actually just a glyph of an ant on the side of a vent, and then apparently it can it can come alive and bite you. N- no, try harder, wizards. Try harder. It's very like uh, what is it? Restless bivouac. The amount of people that go. So what's happening with this? How is it turning <laughs> into an ox? Why is it turning into an ox? And then where does the ox go when the ox is finished being an ox? Yeah, you know. Now that for me isn't very grockable flavour. <laughs> 
You're just getting deep in on your um. On your no, I'm listening. I'm listening. No, no, I'm not saying anything. It's more that I, I'm just interested to see. All right, so here we go. It. So this is a good one. Dowsing device turning into geode grosso. So dowsing device uh, one in a red. Whenever dowsing device or another artifact enters battlefield under your control, up to one target creature you control gets plus one plus zero, gains haste until the end of turn. Transform it if you control four or more artifacts. God, it's very wordy. Yeah. Uh, and it transforms into Geode Grotto, which is a cave, land. Uh, but the flavour text, a little innovation can lead to a big score, Admiral Beckett Brass. I fucking love that Admiral mm. Beckett Brass has got more to do in this set. She's obviously heading up a commander deck. And she's in the side story as well. So if you do want to find out and, and listen to her voice and see, and hear her, her, her perspective on everything, you can go and read that up in Pawns. Um, I do think it's quite cool that a lot of the transform cards transform into caves because they go from the spell or the whatever they're doing and then they're going down into the cave so obviously there's a lot of cave um synergy and mechanics in the in the set as well this one for example twists and turns a single green for an enchantment if a creature would explore instead you scry one and then explore the idea if you've got multiple angles and which ones do you choose uh, when it enters the battlefield, target creature you control explores, and when a land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands, if you've you know explored enough, you transform it into oh, mycoid maze. And the idea is you go through all these twists and turns, and you end up lost anyway. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. really cool. Really cool. Um, the rare in this one was dire flail, another craft with artifact, which I guess is an equipment. It gives plus two plus zero, really cheap cost to do so for five mana, two of which being red. You craft with an artifact. And you turn it into Dire Blunderbuss, which I guess is you've turned this handheld weapon into a um, a projectile weapon, which is quite cool. The equipped creature gets plus three, plus zero. Getting so attacks. much closer to guns and magic is unreal. Kind of, yeah, I mean, you couldn't get... I mean, we are going to the, what, the uh, Thunder... the, the, the Thunder it, Junction. Yeah, Thunder Junction, which thunder is... Thunder Junction. <laughs> like, there's no way... Fing- Again, we've had finger guns already this last, in the last couple of years, let's be <laughs> honest. Exactly. <laughs> Thought you were out of my skull bashing. Oh, you thought you were out of my skull bashing range, didn't you? As he fires a gun. To be fair, imagine like being like a normal like denizen of a plane, and then suddenly guns are invented. I mean, we weren't obviously alive during the time of human progression of when that was happening. But watch the Last Samurai, and you see swords ain't as good as mini guns, apparently, <laughs> or Gatling guns, I should say. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've got four packs each because there are eight set boosters in a bundle. I feel like I'm doing an advert for Wizards of the Coast. Isn't this entire podcast an advert for Wizards of the Coast? Um, do you know who is on an advert for this set? Oh, fucking Jed Dreadmore. No. No? Adam the Gathering. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I like that. No, I thought the card in your hand, because that's a Dreadmore thing. So I've just got... So literally on the back... Oh, this... Well, I haven't... I have immediately not looked through this pack, but I've pulled the token out of the back. Gnome Soldier, which is a token artifact creature, Gnome Soldier. So let's talk about gnomes and golems. Yes. There are many gnomes in this set, yes. and there are many golems. I'm not going to look up how many are in each one. I'm not prepared for it. What I am prepared for is that there seems to be this... Con- like, so, uh, so the gnome- gnomes throughout Magic are basically tiny automatons, or automatons that are akin to servos yeah they're a little yeah they're yeah they're cute i mean i think what well, yeah, well, yeah they're not exa- but they're the thousand no, they sons. are exactly as you say they're very much like servos yeah so why are they not servos or why were the servos in kaladesh not no, uh, 
gnomes. Why aren't they constructs if they're not constructed? And are golems, because golem is something that's used interchangeably, I think golem will be the next thing to go mm. if Naga's gone, because mm. golems are a part of the Jewish tra- tradition and faith. Oh, true, yeah. And they are very misappropriated all over fucking shop. I think golems also exist within Greek culture as well, though. Yeah, I suppose, but just not in the way... I don't know, it's, it's, it's very confusing. Yeah. But the fact that they've got golems here, maybe golems are natural formations I of Cosmium. Like go- golems are more magical created, where, um, as in, like, they come as, like, they like almost like elementals but because they're built from rock or from metals which also come from the earth they're considered to be golems rather than being elementals whereas gnomes I think are more deliberately man-made and artificial that's that's my distinction on the back of this token there is a weird pop-up card that says eventually we'll get to Colossal Dreadmore and it's got a QR code what the fuck does the QR code bring me to you're watching old men open up magic cards and Oh, we didn't talk about time. the special guest cards at all. Look how pretty the star compass is. Oh yeah, there's like mana crypt and stuff in this. Yeah, we set. didn't even, we haven't even actually properly we, we br- briefly mentioned it. We haven't even talked about the Jurassic Park. Yeah, let's see if we open one, I guess. But Yeah. Um I can't get the QR code to work. Well, here's a card that makes Oh, it alludes to making the golems in the process of doing so. Fabrication Foundry. Is that making a gnome or is that making a golem? Gnome? Yeah, right. I guess. Okay, okay, maybe you it is workable. I mean? Look at that art card. Straight away. Stand- oh no, the art cards for this are really cool as well. Here, here's Beckett Brass. Okay. Oh lovely. Wonderful. Lovely. Poison Dark Flower, go down there. Earth Shaker Dreadmore. Full art. Swooping Pterodon. There we go. That's a um Oh you've got one. That's a Jurassic Park card. So I've got a swooping pterodon attacking a tourist. Uh, is that is that's lifted directly out of Jurassic World film? Yes, right? it is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Shake a Dreadmore. I like how you, your 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 investment on which on which dinosaurs are based on which film it's from. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind Jurassic World. No, at least you're holding true to the. If it's relevant to me, I like it. And if it's not, I don't. Which is exactly how I think Universes Beyond are supposed to work anyway. So my rare is Molten Collapse, which is black and a red sorcery. Choose one. If you descended this turn, you may choose both instead. So there are payoffs to descending, which mm. I quite like, and also you know builds up on sort of like graveyard strategies in a new way. I think also flavor wise, it's kind of the idea is that if the thing collapses it does both instead of you choosing destroy target creature or planeswalker destroy not target non-creature non-land permanent with mana value one or less so basically destroy a few trinkets or a token mm, not mm. bad this one's fabrication foundry one and a white for an artifact tap add white spend this mana only to cast an artifact spell or activate an ability of an artifact source two and a white tap x are one or more artifacts you control with total mana value x Return to target artifact card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. It's a white version of Goblin Welder slash Goblin Engineer slash whatever the other one was. Hmm. Come on, there's a third one, isn't there? No. Uh, oh, Scrap. Scrap Welder. Scrap Welder. There we go. Well done, sir. Uh, dino, dinotomaton? A dinosaur, dinotomaton. A dinosaur gnome. That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Oh, uh, God. Now, dinosaur is the latest thing that you could just what how like like hydra um or, or like I don't know comment what the other ones we came up with is like you could just add it as a suffix to the creature yeah, type yeah, yeah. and suddenly it just gets in, infinitely more interesting. Um, I think by the way, I think the traditional podcast has ended. If you just want to listen to us opening up booster yeah, packs, exactly. You can you can bug. You, you, you can listen to us for the next ten minutes. That's fine. Oh, All right, here we go. Pack three. Ooh, 
Oh, fantastic. Uh, the lands in this set. The basic lands in this set. So it's another version of Fall Up Full Up. And oh, I've got one too. Oh, the one that I opened as well. So yeah. I think it's interesting because I opened, the first time I opened the pack, if it wasn't for the fact that the land was foil, I genuinely would have looked at it and thought it was an advert. The way it's kind of set out, the way it looks, it does not feel like it's a card you're supposed to play, especially since it comes directly after the art card. It feels like it's just another art card. So it's kind, again, a little jarring, a little bit of a question of when does a magic card stop feeling like a magic magic card and when does the land stop feeling like a land? This is pushing it a little bit. The formatting's different. I think art style-wise, they're delightful. But again, they might not be your cup of tea. I think that's the same with most of the full art land, land treatments is that it will it will be a chalk or cheese situation. Like You'll either love it or you, or you won't be too into it at all, which is fine. You know, they're going to keep trying. I'm really glad that they do. Um, at the worst case scenario, oh no, it's another basic land that you were never going to keep anyway. You know, whatever. This booster pack is Thousand Moons, the booster pack. <laughs> I've got Thousand Moons industry, uh, Infantry, Thousand Moons Crack Shot, both of which are human soldiers. I've got an adaptive gem guard and a cogwork wrestler. What is he he's doing a He's doing a little wrestling Oh my god, pose. he's actually wrestling pose. Yeah, that's kind of cute. Years of adventure and adversity on the open seas did not prepare Brog for the humiliation of losing to a sparring match with a cockwork doll less than half his size. So what they're doing on the inside is... I mean, do you reckon they're really, like... Do you reckon they're just bored and they're like, well, there's not much to do in this tiny little Dyson Sphere world. Should we, um... <laughs> wrestle gnomes? Professional wrestlers? Is it like, isn't that just cockfighting, but with, with a different form of, of creature? Like... Cog fighting. Cog fighting. Oh, nice. Ah. Nice. Um, my rare in this set. So, firstly, I've got a, an uncommon uh, legendary, which is Zoyua uh, Lava Tongue. We haven't spoken much about the goblins, but this one's a goblin warlock. It always, I think, again, goblins should be. I think a lot of goblin shamans should probably be goblin warlocks. They should have ratted a lot of them. I got Anim Pakal, Thousandth Moon. I said this was the Thousand Moons uh, booster pack. So she, we uh, saw in the story, and she's basically the leader of the Thousand Moons and sort of, I guess, the defense force of the old tech as yeah. well. Um, she is a very cool character, and the Chris Ron artwork. She is quite handsome in it, I must say. Mm. Very cool character. Uh, whenever you attack with one or more non-gnome creatures, put a 1-1 counter on Anna Pakal, then create a 1-1 colourless gnome artifact creature tokens that tap to attacking where X is the number of 1-1 counters on Anna Pakal. So it's like a... Um, I guess it's like a support force. The more like humans that go into the fray, mm -hmm. the more gnomes come out to like support them. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty cool. And then my foil... <laughs> Resplendent Angel at Mythic Rare. Oh, get fast! Show me, show me. Does it look pretty? Oh, it looks very pretty, doesn't it? Oh, she's very pretty. Guess which deck's that? Well, it's going Carl of it. It's going Carl of me. It's like one of those cards which I was like, I can't really spend twelve quid on that card because it's good, but maybe it's not. It's just a win more card. Yeah, exactly. If your deck's already gaining three like, that much life, now that I've just been kind of gifted one on a booster pack. I oh think. no, what a shame. My yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I guess it's going. And then I also got a set. Um, what do you call it? A list card. Oh, cool. Dirt, Water, Wraith. I forget there's a lot list cards still in, still in sets. Dirt, Water, Wraith from Oasis, I guess. Oasis, Mirage. Mirage. Oasis. Yeah. So uh, it's funny because you've got the Thousand Moons pack. I got the Vampire fucking Legion of Dusk pack. First of all, I got really confused because I thought Bartolome del Presidio was um, a foreign card because it is just... It's just, just a Spanish just, name. Just Spanish, Spanish, <laughs> Spanish words. And then weirdly enough, I've got Malicious Eclipse which is the story spotlight of where Aklazot Akla starts um, reforming Chimmel, um, of refill, ref 
forming the cage around Chimil. And Very then cool. back to back, I've got Canonized in Blood, which is the moment Vito starts transforming, and then immediately afterwards, Bitter Triumph as he gets stabbed through the chest. Oh, sure. <laughs> so back Whoops. to back, here's the beginning, and here's how he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's I'm winning. Cool. Oh, no. <laughs> and these four cards went literally four uncommons back to back of Malicious Eclipse, Bartholomew, Canonized in Blood, and Bitter Triumph. I don't know if these are specifically um, weighted packs, but it feels, <laughs> off the back of those two, it feels a little bit. I feel like theme packs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pack number four, last pack. Oh, I got the art card of the uh, planes, and Which they're almost identical. Exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> they're almost identical. Uh, oh, my some token of the token. art cards have the gold signature on them as well, don't they? Yes, mm. to make them sort of even more collectible. Baskin Capybara, I fucking love it. Good old Capybara. Uh, a capybara that isn't Baskin. Uchenbabak, the great mistake. <laughs> The Great Mistake. Legendary Creature. Black, uh, blue, skeleton horror. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really cool. That's madness. Vigilance, Menace, Descend, 8. Four, black, blue. Return Uchemban back. The Great Mistake from your graveyard to the battlefield. With a finality counter on it, activate only if there are eight more permanent cards in your graveyard. Mm. Only as a sorcery. So this is one of the victims of, man, I really wish this card got a specific story on it because... It's just your it's your signpost uncommon for the two color combination, but it would be cooler if we got a bit more information. Then I got Altart oh. Captain Lannery Storm, and then I can see the one that's in the middle. Altart Huatli Poet oh, of Unity. Oh my god! Holy that's crap! Stunning. And it's an Altart on the saga as well. Yeah. So this is uh, Ladania as the artist, and then Sunken Citadel is my just regular rare, I guess. That's very good. Well. So Sunken Citadel is one of the land caves. Enters the battlefield tapped as it enters. Choose a color. Add one manner of chosen color. Add two manner of the chosen color. Spend this to only activate abilities of land sources. I mean, is that there's a lot of debate about Sunken Citadel? Good or bad? Uh, it's a coming to play tapped land, so it depends if you can if you don't mind the um, tempo loss. Am I going to put it in Tasker because I've got lots of activated abilities in it? I'm not sure. I didn't put blossoming. Tortoise in because reducing the cost by one isn't enough and that only allows you to pay one more of the cost so again deck dependent every card is playable in the right deck so I think averagely playable probably not but I don't think I think it has a place definitely has a place well, let me quickly check this artist I think they have a bunch of cards in this set as well when Huatli Poet of Unity enters, enters the battlefield search your library for a basic land card reveal it to put it into your hand then shuffle so for three mana it's a grab a land card um, and then three Boros Boros hybrid. Exile Hawatli, then return to the battlefield, transformed under your owner's control, activate only as a sorcery. So she comes back in as a saga, love sagas, Roar of the Fifth People. Chapter one, create two three three green dinosaur tokens. Chapter two, Roar of the Fifth People gains creatures you control have add green, red, or white, so Naya colours. Chapter three, search your library for a dinosaur, reveal it, put it into your hand and shuffle. And then chapter Four dinosaurs you control gain double strike and trample until end of turn. So that sort of screams to me like this is Hoatley's doing another dinosaur deck. But I kind of feel like you could absolutely have her just as like a Naya good stuff, and then just happen to have some good dinosaurs in there, mm, right? Absolutely. I think a lot of people also assumed because of the way the card read and it got revealed very very early on. I think it was one of the first five cards read. It was like, is she gonna die? Because the song requires her right. to no longer yeah, be on yeah, the battlefield. Yeah. For, and is it like they sing her song afterwards? And obviously in the story, she doesn't die. She's fine. 
But it's interesting that they kind of led that kind of one of those cards that kind of had an open flavor to it, but then it didn't actually end up. So this is why I don't always read to the exact specificities of a card because it doesn't always describe what's going to happen in the story. Um, that card was fucking beautiful. Weirdly, back to back, I've got Belligerent Yearling, which is the full art version, uh, the alternate art. And I bring this up because Siddharth... Oh, Chatraverde. Chatraverde, fantastic, lovely. Um, He's done, or they've done, uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12... 14 different dinosaur artworks yes. from the set. Again, they've got a very distinctive art style, heavy brushwork, kind of almost the opposite to what uh, to what the alternate artworks were in Midnight Hunt, of where there's very little uh, definition on the lineage around the outside. Sure. And they also did a bunch of the alternate arts in um, March of the Machines, uh, of where, again, it's that really reduced, uh, whited-out version of the cards. Of where there's, a, there's a Rustic Studies episode by Magic Man Sam who focuses on Siddharth. Yeah. Wonderful, yeah. And they, again, their art style is fantastic. It's nice to see them do stuff that has a bit more palette involved, where it's got a background, it really pops. And again, it, there is an argument to say that after a while, all these dinosaurs start looking the same. I don't think that's an artist issue. I just think that's an issue of there's only so many kinds of dinosaur. Lizards, isn't it? You know? It's, it, thank you. Sorry, dragons, whatever. <laughs> um, and then, interesting, because I had Belligerent Yearling, and then afterwards, as your rare for the pack, is The Belligerent. Which, again, why is this in this set? It wasn't in the story. It's not in the set. Like, it's, it looks, it looks I, cool. I think people just liked it a lot more from the last time we were at Exline than they thought mm. we would. Well, they really want to, obviously, they really want to ship J- Jason Braska. It kind of happened. And in the absence of them being in the story, they just put, decided to put their actual ship just over the waterfall, which is what's happening oh, in the artwork. It's a vehicle as well. Could, that can be your commander, can't it? No, it has to say, because it's not a creature until... Isn't, I thought Heart of Kieran can be your... No, Heart of Kieran can't. Shurikai can because it specifically says at the right, bottom okay. this can be your commander. Because oh, okay. they're not creatures inherently. They have to be converted into creatures. That's mm-hmm. why their power and toughness is in white when the rest of the um, the box is in black. Oh. Because it's not actually truly a creature. Cool. That was fun. It's mm. nice opening packs. Again, I think this is a really cool set. I'd like to play it a little bit in limited, from a limited environment. It does seem, and we've spoken to someone who did uh, a couple of uh, pre-releases, complexity creep is really a thing. Like, I feel, especially when you have more and more sets which automatically have... Oh, God, there's a lot of bats in this set, isn't there? Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's a lot of bats lots for a non-Innistrad set. Um, yeah, I feel like complexity-wise, uh, most cards have a lot of text on them i was gonna have a bit of a moan and try and see if like oh does that mean that we haven't got as much flavor text but actually the set does have a fair amount of flavor text mm-hmm. i think as much as any other recent set would have um even i say like even the, all the cards that have craft the craft takes the place of the flavor text but you have tend to have flavor text on the reverse side as well so i think that's kind of okay um the only other thing we didn't really talk about from a mechanical point of view is map tokens yet another predefined token yeah, it's fine. It's it's this. It's an artifact that does a thing. This one, instead of gaining life or whatever the other ones do, drawing a card, making mana. This one explores, which is fine. I think it's cool. It's a good way again to churn through the deck to give any of your creatures a little bit of a boost. I think it's quite nice. A map token, exploring. God, it makes sense, really, doesn't it? Makes sense. It's weird that it wasn't in the set, in the original set. I think. But... No, but they had actual maps, didn't they? Well, yeah, treasure map and all the other ones. Yeah, it made sense. So yeah, cool set. Let us know via Twitter at MTFlavoring what your favourite cards from the set is and have you held any in your hands yet? This will probably come out on uh, (laughs) Tuesday the 21st. So, yeah. uh, This was recorded on Sunday the 19th. Um, So let us know if you've had a chance or how you did it pre-release and all that kind of jazz. Mm. You can find myself... At Andy Manface, Nathan, you are at the Fox in the Moon. Emails go to mtflavoring at gmail.com. 
Have you completed Breath of the Wild yet? I completed Breath of the Wild a long time ago. Oh, I've still not you done the final Tears boss. You mean Tears of the Kingdom? The... Oh, I do mean Tears. Oh dear! I do mean wah, Tears wah. of the Kingdom. Do you know what happens in the final boss battle? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, same. I haven't I haven't been. I haven't actually done it yet. I know exactly just, what happens. I just, I just potter around. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know it's over there. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, I, I, I've spent so much time not like gaining all of the resources to be like, cool, I can go and get the best weapons and shore myself up to no, make sure I'm fine. Like, I, very, I don't cook very much in the game either, so it's one of these, like, I can't just go and give it a go. I want to, like, prepare enough. And from what I can tell, it's really, really cool. And I did the mistake of, one day I went, right, conquer your fear right now. There were two big fear gatekeeping, uh, gate, 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 um, gate doors, gateways, gate locks, whatever. There were two big thresholds in the game for me, like, getting over being scared in games. One of them was the Maelstrom, which is one of the first temples you're supposed to go through. And oh, I was like, yeah. I can't, can't deal with it. I don't like Expanse. I don't like height with Expanse. I'm like, I, I, I made sure that the camera was always facing away from the big swirly windy stuff. So by the time I was on top of it, I was like, it's fine now, I'm on top of it. I don't have to worry about it. Because in my mind, I'm like, I know how scary that would be. Mm. Um, and then the other one was jumping down the big, giant, massive hole. But then after doing, what is it? Uh, Mount, not Mount Doom, fuck. Um, what, the, yeah, the, Doom Mountain. No, Death Mountain. Death, Death Mountain, thank you. God, <laughs> terrible, terrible nerds. Um, after diving into Death Mountain, I went, well, it can't be as bad as that. And then I just basically ran past, screaming past everything. Ah! <laughs> ah! No, like, like, no, 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 no. Avoid oh, white everything. lights can go fuck themselves. I don't know why this turned into Zelda chat. But yeah, we just thought it was interesting, because I think this is a game, this is a much slower burn of a Zelda yeah. than the last one, where people were just, like, bolting towards the end. Well, because you could. It was much easier to, to, to speed run the first game than this one. I mean, if you're really good at the game, you can break it in half and out of bounds and all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I still haven't... I've still barely got through the DLC of Violet, um, so... Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> this has been Magic the Flavor. I'll see you soon.